Hello! If you're hearing this, that means you get the internet. And if you get the internet, that means you can watch the live stream of the live show that we just did recently. We did a half the Noose Olympian, half Potterless live stream live in North Carolina, and it was an absolute blast for TNO. We did the first two chapters of the first book in the Heroes of Olympus series. And for Potterless, we did an improvised Big Brother format where we put a bunch of Harry Potter pets in a battle to see which magical pet would reign supreme. The video has gorgeous visuals and crisp audio, and it's a multi-cam set up so it feels very dynamic like you were there you can watch that stream until march 17th at 11 59 p.m and you can get tickets at my website shubes s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour again that is s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour to watch the replay of the half potterless half the new Olympian live show that we did recently i hope you enjoy it hey it's me that one plant in your apartment that just won't seem to grow properly despite your best efforts i'm here to let you know that if you want me to grow and be beautiful and big and strong you should feed me water, sunlight, and a good helping of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, we hit a thousand patrons. We hit a thousand patrons. Oh my goodness gracious. It has been literal years since I set the goal for us to hit a thousand patrons over at patreon.com slash potterless. And thanks to all of you wonderful people, we made that happen. There's been a lot of people recently really pushing hard for us to hit this goal. I appreciate all of you. You all know who you are. And we are now over the 1000 patron mark, which means means I will be doing a Europe tour at some point. So the goal was always that when I hit a thousand patrons, I'd go to the UK, I'd do the WB tour, I would do some shows in Europe while I'm there. Obviously with the world in the state it's in right now, that's not happening, but it is locked in, set in stone that when it makes sense and when I'm able to, I will come over to Europe in order to do the WB studio tour and some live shows while I'm there. I'm very excited to make this happen. So it's on pause for now, but it will happen. I will be doing shows in Europe. I will do whatever I can to make this possible. Thank you all so much for supporting the show so much. Having over a thousand patrons is absolutely ridiculous and it warms my heart and fills me with so much joy to know that there are people that not only love the show enough to continually listen to it, but to willingly support it out of pocket. And I thank you all so, so much. And I cannot thank you enough. And speaking of the Patreon, it is the first episode of Potterless in June, meaning that it's donation time here at Potterless. Each month, we take a dollar for every member of our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless and donate it to a different charity. And this month, we will be donating $1,023 to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. So with everything going on recently, especially the George Floyd murder and now the protests and the police brutality that's been happening, this charity was a no-brainer because everything that's happening shows that the system that currently exists here in America is not fair and it is not just and the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund is here to try to help that. They seek structural changes to expand democracy, eliminate disparities, and achieve racial justice in a society that fulfills the promise of equality for all Americans. If you want to learn more about this charity, you can go to naacpldf.org. And of course, speaking of the Patreon, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Carly Allen, Kaylee Elward, Tasha Skotnicki, B, Zoe Jones, Justin Bouvier, Marvin P, Sonny Murto, Helen Fredstam, Holly Alexa Moxham, Taylor, Tammy Thiel, Jolla Carey, Tom Thiel, Mallory McLean, Emily Jardine, Zoe, Jillian Sinclair, Casey Cotter, Michelle Donaldson, Elizabeth Kitzman, Emaine Carey, Nora, Evelyn Hayhurst, Chelsea Cole, Cora Juntinen, Susanna Frere, Haley O'Brien, Leaf, Tyra McDonald, Louise Willis, Jess Rudy, Abby Caldwell, Hannah, Jess Stewart, and someone that made their name. Luna Love Food, a pronunciation correction for Casey Canales, a happy birthday wish to Marcos Zepeda, shout out to Jess Stewart who upgraded their pledge, and a huge shout out to someone that upgraded to the producer level status and requested that their name be Tsa 
as well as our new producer-level patrons Serenity Allen, Jax G, and Sophia Lyon. They join the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Clown, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rosemary, Maria, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Haley, Alex, John, Noel, Liz, Brandon, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Summer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addy, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Eileen, Keegan, Mr. Folk, Maya, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Skyla, Edel, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Elizabeth, Michael, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Aurora, Marcos, Courtney, Marique, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, McKenna, Heather, Brad, Thomas, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Yarl, Ashley, Peter, Sophie, Jen, and Callahan, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Elizabeth, Britt, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, Tyrone, Money, Madison, Kyle, Tonks, G.K., Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Matt, Okamahime, Yimki, Bony, Pony, Jacob, Kelsey, Taco, Blufish, Rike, Taylor, Rochelle, Megan, Alicia, Riley, Colleen, Laurel, Rossan, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Richard, Sandra, Craig, Andren, K, Steve, Lior, Angela, Julia, Demi, Kelsey, Michael, Danae, Michelle, Callista, Kringle, Lovekesh, Jennifer, Crystal, Henrika, Jeremy, Delkis, Katrina, Jerrica, Michelle, Casey, Megan, 1000, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Butter? Who never spill anything on the counter when they're trying to transfer liquid from a large bowl into a smaller container. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, exclusive live streams, exclusive merchandise, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 128, covering the first act of a very Potter musical, a very anticipated episode, guest starring Multitude's own Julia Shafini. And welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult and he got, not exaggerating, over one email a day telling him to watch a Harry Potter musical and he has finally watched at least part of it. My name is Mike Schubert. I am that grown man and I'm here joined today with Multitude Zone. She's got her hands and I guess vocal cords in a whole bunch of Multitude Productions. It's Julia Shavini. Julia, how's it going? It's going good, Mike. I'm so proud of you. You finally got around to these musicals. I'm so happy. I finally did it. I really did. After getting berated by Harry Potter fandom for literally years, I have now watched the first act of the first of Harry Potter musical. I'm Incredible. well on my way. <laughs> Incredible. I think that I asked to be on these episodes since I asked you once. I was like, so what are you going to do after you finish the books? And you're like, I don't know. I think I'm going to like check out the additional stuff like the movies and then maybe like keep, people keep telling me about a Harry Potter musical. I'm like, Mike, Mike. <laughs> need to have me on for this. You need to have me on for this. <laughs> yes, you were you were a very early dibs. There were many people that called dibs, but I do believe that you were first mm-hmm. in it. So it is only fitting that we have you kicking it off. And it's also only fitting because you have told me that you are a big fan of a very Potter musical. I was afraid that I was not going to like it, but spoiler alert, I did enjoy it. Huzzah. So everyone can put down their pitchforks. For context of your experience with a very Potter musical, how did you come across it? Where did you see it? What's your fandom level, excitement level, etc.? Who, Mike, we're going to go back. We're going to go back to fandom years in college and I'm Ooh. very uncomfortable, but here we go. <laughs> so, I was in a dorm freshman year and most of the girls on my dorm floor watched um, Glee, mm-hmm. which I didn't really get into until I got into college because all of my roommates were watching it. So I was like, I might as well sit in the dorm and watch this with you guys. Right. And it was around the time where Darren Chris's character got introduced to the show. And I was like, oh, this guy's really cool. Like, he's cute and he sings and dances very well. And one of my roommates turned to me and she's like, well, you know, he made a Harry Potter musical, right? I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> 
okay. And then I did that ADHD thing where I was just like, well, I'm just going to watch this for three straight weeks. And that's it. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm going to do until I memorize everything, which I then did. And then I think I've watched every musical that Starkid has put out up to Twisted, which is their Aladdin meets Wicked Oh, that's fun. very good. I've heard very good things about all of the other ones that I haven't seen since 2014, but I'm a big fan of their stuff. I want to see their... Uh, space tour live in New York in 2011. Amazing. And I saw Darren Chris during his pheromone tour back in probably 2013. So I would say I'm a pretty big fan or, you know, was a pretty big fan of the Starkid Productions. Okay, that's great. So in case anyone listening is unfamiliar, A Very Potter Musical is a fan-made musical by this group called Starkid. It was first released in 2009. It is available on YouTube. The quality is fine, but thankfully some people pointed out to me that they have added closed captioning to the YouTube videos. So that helped immensely. It was more that just like the music of the recording is very loud. And the lines are very quiet. Yes. So sometimes it's hard to hear what people are saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can watch it on YouTube completely for free. It is full musical length, which I did not realize. I was like, okay, I'll watch a very Potter musical. Oh, it's two hours and change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost three hours long. So very quickly, I had to change my notes to being like, okay, you're only covering one act per episode like, <laughs> at the least. So I watched the first act. I've not seen the second act yet. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep this as true to book form of Potterless as possible where I didn't read slash watch ahead. So I've seen the first act and... Overall, I will say I enjoyed it, and I am not one that particularly likes musicals Mm -hmm. very much. I usually get bored during songs that don't necessarily move the story along, but (laughs) I thought the songs in this were very fun and silly, and I think we should just get right into it to talk about this first act of this first musical. Yeah, let's do it. I'm always, I've always been a big first act fan as opposed to the second act. Like I like the emotional payoff of the second act, but in my experience of being a musical theater lover, I always like the songs in the first act better. And mm. this is also the case for a very Potter musical, for me at least. Okay. I was very surprised at how much happened in the first act and that it's halfway through the play. Mm-hmm. Because as we'll cover here in the plot, there's a good chunk that goes down and I'm very intrigued to see what happens in act two. Let's do it. So the opening song is called Back to Hogwarts. It is just a general song about going back to Hogwarts. This play takes place in kind of an amalgam of a bunch of Harry Potter books, but what is established is that it is Harry's second year, so it's Ginny's first year, but Quirrell is still there, but then also the plot kind of molds the Triwizard Tournament and the House Cup into one thing. So it's kind of like a mix of books one through four without three really being addressed. It's like one, two with a hint of four. Yes. Do you want me to give you spoilers about the other musicals or should I just stay quiet and not confirm anything? Yeah, keep me in the dark so I know nothing. Okay, great. I want this to be as reminiscent as phase one of Potterless where I had no idea what's coming rather than recent Potterless where I'm just like, the movies are so bad. Cursed Child is so bad. I won't tell you anything. I will say though that the musical came out two years after the final book was released. Okay. And then what movies were out at that point? It was 2009, so... Oh, yeah. Excellent question. Let's find out. Let's not allow the internet to yell at us about not knowing this off the top of our head. Hey, Siri, in what year did the 
sixth Harry Potter movie come out? 2009. <laughs> there we go. Look at you, boy. I kind of know the timeline of Harry Potter. It's almost like there this is go. my job now. Oh, snap. <laughs> so <laughs> that makes sense. A lot of the jokes made are movie-based, mm-hmm. so it seems like there were a fair share of movies. Surprisingly, there were some things that felt very cursed childy, mm-hmm. as we'll get on to, but that wasn't even close to being public. Mm. Oh, oh, Mike, there's so much I could say there, but I want to keep you in the dark. <laughs> anyway. So my initial thought with the first song is that the music is so loud mm-hmm. and I was constantly going up and down on the volume meter initially to switch between music and dialogue. But it's a college play. What are you going to do? have a low budget. Exactly. I don't know if you know the context of this. Do you know where this filmed one was recorded and what the situation of it was? Yeah. So they were college students in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, they all went to University of Michigan. And that is where the first three films that they put out were filmed. So A Very Potter Musical, Me and My Dick, and A Very Potter Sequel. Love that you just slip in me and my dick Mm -hmm. (laughs) in between two Harry Potter things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fun fact, if you've seen the TV show The Flash, me and my dick was written by one, Darren Chris, uh, AJ Holmes, and Carlos Valdez. He plays Cisco on The Flash. Oh, okay. There you go. Also, Darren Chris has a Golden Globe. The man has an Emmy. Yeah, like, it's and very he's just interesting. about I, Harry Potter. <laughs> I was watching this with Kelly, and halfway through, she just blurts out, I can't believe this is Darren Chris. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a strange thing for him to have the career he has. Yeah. With this being the starting point. I don't know if this is what got him the job on Glee. I'm sure it didn't hurt. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, really? It was like essential? Yeah, no, it pretty much did, yeah. How big in the zeitgeist was a Harry Potter musical at the time it was coming out? Because now it's got like, each video has four million views on YouTube. It was big for Harry Potter fans. It was like something that we could joke about and laugh about and also make fun of the movies as they were coming out. Also make fun of the canon that was coming out too after the books were finished. Like Dumbledore is very clearly gay in a very Potter musical. And that's because it was written right around the time that J.K. Rowling was like, by the way, Dumbledore was Uh, gay the entire time. uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, okay. Also, Kelly and I, we saw Puffs and we loved Puffs. But what we realized is that this really paved the way of... Harry Potter spinoff content and Mm -hmm. especially plays that are based off of Harry Potter. This discussion came up because the crowd is laughing at fucking everything and Mm -hmm. it's very annoying. There are a lot of jokes in this that are very funny, but a lot of the things the crowd are laughing at are just Harry Potter statements, not even humorous ones. What was one that made you be like, oh, come on, guys? Like in the initial song, if he just says like, I have to go back to Hogwarts Mm -hmm. and then everyone's like, (laughs) he said the school from the book. So I, what Kelly and I realized is that this was probably just so groundbreaking and it just was funny because it was turning Harry Potter into a musical and Harry Potter spinoff stuff, aside from fan fiction, hadn't really happened. I think you also have to take into the context that this was like, this was the theater kids at a college. Yeah. And if you've ever been to like an improv show at a college, you know how like the audience is going to laugh more because they know the people that are there and that are in it. Yes. That's important context for this. 
As someone that did improv in college, and gosh, I miss performing to 200-seat improv shows, but that's what happens when your shows are on Friday nights at 7 o'clock before parties start, and tickets cost zero dollars, mm-hmm. and all you have to do is walk to the show. But yeah, getting laughs was pretty easy mm-hmm. when we did improv in college. It didn't take much, and you're right, is that a lot of the humor comes from people knowing them, and I would just assume that Darren Chris was very popular in school. He yeah. condones himself in this play. I know Harry Potter is supposed to be kind of like the douchey, jock, everybody likes me popular kid. Mm-hmm. But also I did get the impression that this is kind of a little bit how Darren Chris just acts regularly. I have no fact of this, but it felt very much like I could see him being a very charming well-liked boy in college and people just enjoying his presence in this play. I will say there are several jokes throughout the musicals that are at Darren Chris's expense because they're just like, this is how he acts sometimes. And then they make Harry make fun of the way that he acts. Good. So good. that's I fun. like that. I like that a lot. So this first song, Back to Hogwarts, introduces us to a lot of the characters. And one thing that I did not like and then immediately became somewhat more okay, but I still don't know how to feel is that when they introduce Cho Chang, Cho Chang they yeah. play the very stereotypical thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's a Chinese riff, right? Yeah. And then they say Domo Arigato, which is Japanese. Oh yeah. The the lyrics are not great there. Not a huge fan of that. It's very 2009 to be like, haha, Asian joke. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to hold 2009 comedy to 2020 standards. Wasn't a big fan. But then they did flip the script and make a fun misdirect joke in that Ginny walks up to an Asian actress and asks if she's Cho Chang and she's not, but the Southern Belle tall white girl ends up being Cho Chang, which I thought that was funny and it made me feel better. But the fact that I was 45 seconds in and there was already potentially a racist joke, I was like, uh, what have people, why do people like this? But then they saved it. Yes, no, they, they do. Then, you know what? I'm not going to lie. There are some kind of problematic things that happen mm-hmm. throughout the musicals. Uh, yeah. There is a particular aspect in the sequel that I'm not the biggest fan of but also like it's it's for fun i I enjoy things even when they make a joke or two that i find problematic you know it's college humor in 2009 i made youtube videos in 2009 when i was about to be in college where i wasn't happy with the jokes that i made so i'm not gonna hold it against people grow and change right especially when you're in college it's one thing to look back at a movie that was released in 2009 and be like uh this joke isn't in great taste but if you're a college kid writing a play for college kids i'll give you more leeway for sure Mm -hmm. so initially i did not enjoy ron because he was just kind of mean Ron and Mm -hmm. he was just being very rude to Ginny almost borderlining on like jock douche Ron Mm -hmm. he does get better over the course of the act but right off the bat I did not enjoy Ron but on the flip side from the moment that they entered the stage until the end of this act Draco Malfoy is a pure (laughs) delight Lauren Lopez is so good she's incredible she's genuinely the best part I have heard so many good things about her and frankly, I am surprised that she is not the Darren Chris from this because Darren Chris seems fine. Good looking dude. Good at singing. I get it. But she destroys in this play. And I do not understand mm-hmm. why she has not gone on to do bigger and better things. I know that she is doing some stuff and is involved in acting full time. But based on her performance as Draco here, I am flabbergasted that 
she has not catapulted because she's so freaking good. She's hilarious. She's genuinely very, very good. And she does a lot of good stuff with Starkid later on in their run. Oh, cool. So I would definitely check out their other musicals and stuff. Um, Her performance in uh, Starship Rangers is very, very funny as well in a similar vein to the Draco one. And then I think she's the lead in some of the other ones that I haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. Anytime she as Draco rolled around the floor and flopped around the benches and stuff, I couldn't help but laugh. It's so yeah. funny and so well executed. Another character I really enjoyed, Dumbledore. Mm. I love it. Dylan Saunders, <laughs> so good. I just love sassy, potentially gay, old Jewish New Yorker Dumbledore vibes that he's going on. They're like, hey, how's it going, everybody? Like, oh, <laughs> such a good, I would never anticipate this to be a way that someone would act out Dumbledore, but, oh, it works so well. It's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. Dylan Saunders is extremely talented. He's done some work with um, Watsky. Oh, yeah, If you know Watsky's work. Very college. I used to love him. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, he's he's really talented, and he's also the star in Twisted and does an incredible job in that one as well. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So the introduction to Everybody Ends – And Dumbledore does the opening speech in the Grand Hall. And there are some fantastic moments in it. The first quote I really enjoyed is when I believe Cedric Diggory pipes up to say something about Hufflepuff. He just turns to him and says, what the hell is a Hufflepuff? He goes, Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. Which has been a running joke in the Harry Potter fandom since this came out, because there's no real defining traits for Hufflepuffs in the books. So I did have a question. Mm-hmm. Hufflepuffs are good finders is so pervasive that Kelly, my wife and very proud Hufflepuff, thought that that was from the books. She did not realize it was from a Harry Potter musical, which she had not seen either. So we were watching it both for the first time. Was there something that led to this or did they just decide we're going to give them a silly trait and it was just really funny so it stuck? I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I don't know the exact like causation that occurred here in the fandom, but I am 90% sure they made that up. And the fandom was like, yes, excellent. They are. Mm-hmm. And throughout this first act, anytime Cedric speaks, he finds a way to say the word find a lot, which normally is a brand of humor that I don't like. But the fact that it was started from something that is just so ridiculous, I do enjoy him going out of his way to say the word find when Mm. he says things like, I find that to be upsetting or whatever, and just always putting the emphasis on find. It was very, very silly, and I'm a big fan. And then we get another character introduction, which I loved, was Snape. Mm. Snape is just a wonderful rendition, a very good Alan Rickman joke of the dramatics, but still a unique take on it. Mm -hmm. It was different from the Snape in Puffs, for example. I know this came out before Puffs, but I'm glad that every comedic interpretation of Snape is not exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And this felt just like a very mm, prim and proper Snape with the obnoxious wig. I also love that the attention to detail to make Snape's robes particularly dramatic and swooshy was very Mm -hmm. good. Yes, it's extremely, extremely good. The For a very, 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 very low-budget musical, the costumes, 
surprisingly good. Very solid costumes, though you can tell that some of the robes are just black graduation gowns, which I, oh, 100%. <laughs> which I thought was fun. On top of the costumes being pretty solid, the makeup choices we could talk about in a oh. few short minutes, oh, also yes. very good. Really solid. I was very pleasantly surprised, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming that they didn't do this with any help of a theater department. It seems very much like they did it all on their own, mm-hmm. and I did some plays in college, and even when we had professional people doing stuff, it didn't look as good as some of the things that they've done here. Yep, yep. So Snape then does a pop quiz with all of the students. And this initially sets the tone of this entire play, everybody just dunks on Hermione, Mm -hmm. which I think is fun. It made me feel sad at some points because it just keeps happening and it's pretty much everybody doing it. It made me feel a little bit like Jerry in Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. where it's just everybody teaming up on one person to the point where I'm like, okay, can we ease off a little bit? But Snape doing it was very fun. My favorite question, though, that he asks from the pop quiz is the second one. He says, what is foreshadowing? We define foreshadowing. And then she does. And uh, then he mentions something like a horcrux. And Harry's like, what's a horcrux? And he's like, I'm not even going to tell you. You'll find out soon enough. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Oh, very good. Such good writing. Yeah, it's really solid. I did want to point out, and I meant to do it during the big exposition song of uh, Gotta Get Back to Hogwarts. But if you watch Darren and Chris in several moments in the first act, you'll see him mouthing along with the words as other people sing. Oh, nice. Because he wrote the lyrics. So naturally he is just like, okay, this is what you're supposed to say. All right, excellent. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. After this pop quiz scene, then you get the introduction of, I think my favorite performance It's really close between this and Draco, but the Coral Voldemort duo is Mm -hmm. so enjoyable. Yeah, that's Joe Walker and Brian Rosenthal. Really solid. It is just two dudes sharing a gown where Coral is in the front. He removes the turban and then it's just a guy standing behind him back to back and it's Voldemort. And this is where the makeup is really solid. The Voldemort makeup is really good. It's wonderful. It is like solid. Like if I went to a professional haunted house, it's that kind of makeup. Yeah, they've got the nose situation going on. He's got the hair all slicked back. He's got the really intense cheekbones going Mm. down. It looked really good. Mm -hmm. It was very, very good. He was very pasty, which was excellent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just such a fun dynamic because it's two people and it just looks so so perfectly ridiculous. It's like, how else would they have solved that problem of having Voldemort on the back of Quirrell's head other than just strapping two dudes to each other's backs? It's really good. So when Quirrell first comes in in this scene, you don't get the reveal of Voldemort. It's just Quirrell with the big turban underneath, but you can very much tell that it is two people. And Quirrell is here to describe the house cup. And this is where the house cup and the Triwizard Tournament kind of get smushed into one and they even use Hermione raising her hand as a way to let that be known. And of course she keeps getting points deducted from Gryffindor every single time she speaks. Filling it in for the pedantic Harry Potter fan who needs to correct you that it's not the Triwizard Tournament. It's a house tournament. They can't have a house tournament with three people. Come on, Hermione. I appreciate this even more. It's very good. (laughs) And another thing I appreciate is that Dumbledore, after deducting a plethora of points from Hermione, he gives a sick burn to her and then goes, eh, 10 points to Dumbledore. 10 points (laughs) to Dumbledore. (laughs) Which is very good. (laughs) So then you get the first instance of 
a nod to the Voldemort in the back of Coral's head situation because as he's leaving, the Voldemort head sneezes and then Coral lies and says that it's a fart mm-hmm. and then it sneezes again and then he runs off stage. I love college humor. It was pretty solid. Not the company, but... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so then Snape is picking the contestants from the cup and of the course... Champions. The champions. Yes. And then of, of course the champions are Harry Potter, Cho Chang, Cedric Diggory and Draco Malfoy. There's a great line later where Harry's like, I mean like I was chosen out of five possible Gryffindors because yep. there's only five Gryffindor characters. I had that line saved. It's very good. I don't know if it was Harry or Hermione, but they say, I was chosen from hundreds, if not five potential Gryffindors, mm-hmm. which is that a quality it. line. It's very, very good. That's the kind of stuff I really like. That's the stuff that made me really like Puffs. Mm-hmm. The little quips that are not afraid of making fun of Harry Potter, but in a way that we can all say, ah, oh, yes, this is ridiculous. I felt like that entire vibe was Puffs, which is what mm-hmm. I appreciated and what I hope that this podcast is and at least has become and not just me early on when I was grumpy and didn't like the books that much. So I appreciate that jokes like this are peppered throughout a very Potter musical. I think it's also making fun of their own production too. Like, yes. like we know we're very low budget and we can only afford to put five people on stage <laughs> at a time. But here we go. Which is very good. It's very important. If you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? Exactly. And a similar thing to that is every time they do magic, Everybody in the production just says whatever magic is being done, which is really nice. Later on, it happens with portkey, portkey, portkey. Earlier on, it happens with flu powder, flu powder, flu powder. I love it. Oh, it's so good that they are not afraid of being a low-budget production, and they fully embrace it, and it's great. Yes, it's, it's wonderful. I eventually start coming back around on Ron starting in this scene, and what did it for me is that from... This scene on, Ron is eating in every single scene. I'm so <laughs> glad you noticed he's just Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. I was going to say, it's just is. the Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven, <laughs> oh, which is so Thank good. You. It's super fun. It works for Ron. I like that he doesn't have one type of food either. He's eating, I think, sushi at one point or Chinese mm-hmm. food of sorts. And then later yeah. on, he's got like a bag of chips. Then he eats an Oreo later on. Like they really diversify the snack game for Ron. There is a very funny joke about that in the second act that oh, I good. feel like you will appreciate. Okay. And then have good. more appreciation in the sequel. Yes. You'll see. Uh, you'll see why. <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm very excited. So Hermione doesn't want Harry to participate in the tournament. She fears for his life. But Harry, in classic Harry form, and I think this is one of the stronger points of the script is really poking fun at Harry for not wanting to be in the position that he is and constantly deferring to Hermione for everything. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even want to talk to Dumbledore about trying to get out of the tournament. He makes Hermione do it for him. And of course, in classic Hermione fashion, she can't do it at all. So Harry is still stuck in the tournament. Well, no one studies at Hogwarts except Hermione. That's a great (laughs) whole thing. I love it so much. It's really solid. There's also a really solid Ghostbusters reference when Hermione is talking to Dumbledore about you know, why can't Harry exit the tournament? Oh, it's so good. What was the reference? I think I missed it. He's like, imagine this and blah, 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 blah. And she goes, total protonic reversal, which is a line that they Uh, do in Ghostbusters. It's like, you can't cross the streams. And they're like, why not? And they explain it. And it's total Mm -hmm. protonic reversal. Mm, Okay. Another line from this conversation I really appreciated is that when Dumbledore is referring to Snape, he says, Snape is one of the kindest, bravest, sexiest men I've ever met. (laughs) Jig was like half paying attention to it as I was watching it. He looked up at that line and he was like, did he just say sexiest? I was like, yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) I love just peppering that in there. 
So Malfoy then enters to start shit talking. And this is the true first instance of the flopping around where Mm -hmm. somersaults are involved, climbing over and around benches are involved, squirming in between people, even if they're sitting next to each other on a bench. It's, oh, it's just really good. This is also where they get the name for their production company. Yes. It's from the scene. I did notice this because at one point, Draco mentions that they are going to transfer to Pig Farts, which mm-hmm. is a rival school that Draco says is on Mars. It's on Mars. <laughs> their headmaster is Rumble Roar, who is a talking lion. It's just Aslan from <laughs> the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> but then, yeah, Harry questions the legitimacy of pig farts because it becomes somewhat, and I'll see how this gets resolved. seems like Draco is just lying about this. Mm. But when Draco is saying, oh, how are you going to get there? It's on Mars. How are you going to get a rocket ship? Rocket ship Potter, moon shoes Potter, <laughs> star kid Potter. Yes. And that is the name of their production company, which I think mm-hmm. is very fun. Now, wasn't this in one of the books where Draco threatened that he was going to transfer to another school? I feel like this felt like Yeah, he was going to go to Durmstrang. Oh, okay, okay. This Mm -hmm. felt like a familiar joke that they were making fun of. Yeah, a lot of this is actually based off of book four, if you look really into the details of it, at least this first act is. Yeah. So it's really kind of interesting to see all of the... And I'll tell you a little bit more about that when we get to the second to last song of this act. Yeah. So there is a confrontation between the squad and then Crab, Goyle, and Draco. And at one point, Hermione does the jelly legs curse. And (laughs) Goyle, who just is this very tall dude with this very deep voice, he's very funny. I appreciated him as Goyle just screams like, Hey, no fair! My legs are jelly! Which is... Very solid. That is Jim Pavolo, who I was re-watching Holy Musical Batman like immediately after I finished this because <laughs> I felt like it and I couldn't sleep. And Jim Pavolo has short hair in that. And I swear to God, Mike, I thought I was looking at you. Whoa. It's like the same like jaw structure. Okay. It was very confusing to me. He had like a hat on like over his eyes. And I was like, Mike? What? Well, okay. I am happy to finally make this reveal after a hundred <gasps> whatever Gasp. episodes of Potterless rips off mask. <laughs> <laughs> It's me! This is why it took so long to watch a very better musical. <laughs> then, so then when the squad leaves, Hermione unjellifies his legs by saying unjellify, which later Goyle goes, oh, I, I wish I would have known <laughs> that to undo it all I had to say was unjellify. <laughs> so Malfoy is shaken up, he leaves, and then we finally get the first true choral Voldemort scene, which is just... Absolutely fantastic. Can we also talk about how pro Draco Hermione this musical is? It's very heavy Mm -hmm. and I like it. Right off the bat, they set in that Malfoy has the hots for Hermione. There's multiple scenes about it later on. And I think it's very fun. It's hilarious. It's part of the reason this musical got written. And I'll tell you more about it later. Good, good. So in this Quirrell Voldemort scene, you just get a lot of jokes about the fact that they are two dudes strapped together back to back early on Voldemort tries to get a drink of water and Quirrell has to <laughs> squeeze it into his mouth. put it like behind his back it's beautifully awkward and then there's a point where Voldemort has to get Nasonex in his nose mm-hmm. <laughs> begs Quirrell to get it for him uh it's just very good and they have like a very good odd couple style song it's they it's do. wonderful it's really good and what I like about Voldemort is that he is very much just like a normal guy 
in this rendition of it. And it's just such a fun portrayal to make him more human. Mm -hmm. And it's very silly. One of the lines, Coral keeps calling him Dark King over and over again. And Voldemort says, enough with the Dark King. I've watched you wipe your butt daily. You can call me Voldemort. We're there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's Joe Walker who's playing Lord Voldemort again. And he is hilarious and very buff. Yeah. Just so buff. Yeah, it was a very college move later on for him to not have a shirt on Mm -hmm. solely because he's a ripped dude and that's a thing that ripped dudes in college do. Yes, yes, it, yes it is. Wouldn't it be funny if for the scene I didn't have my shirt on? I think it'd be really funny. What if I just had a cape on and like, that's it. What if I wore like tight tight pants? pants? What if I wore tight spandex pants and then I didn't have a shirt on? I'm sure he's a very nice dude, but that's such a college move. Yeah, no, it's it's great though. <laughs> so then they have a scene where they're trying to figure out how they're going to sleep. And of course, since they're two dudes back to back, they argue about who is going to be face down in the pillow. They eventually settle on sleeping on their sides, which is very good. And I love that right after they lay down, to further humanize Voldemort, he establishes himself as a picky roommate mm-hmm. because Coral left robes on the back of a chair and Voldemort is like, what are those? Why are they there? And Coral's like, oh, I'll put them away in the morning. And Voldemort's like, there will be mess in the morning. And what if you forget? I just love constantly making Voldemort just like an angry man instead of an evil lord. Yes, exactly. Are, are not all evil lords angry men though, Mike? Yes, that's true. Not all men are, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, squares and rectangles. Gotcha. <laughs> and one of the lines even Voldemort says, I command you to get up and fold them at least, <laughs> which is great. So that scene ends, they leave, and then we get to a scene with Hermione and Harry talking, and I was very disappointed because... Harry has a guitar, which feels like the Darren Chris version of shirtless Voldemort is like, oh, what mm-hmm. if like Harry played guitar all the time? Oh, which, no, it is. <laughs> which I can see being framed as a joke of Harry being kind of douchey Harry and Wonderwall singing Harry. Mm-hmm. But you know Darren Chris really wanted this to be in the play. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, so he's talking with Ginny. And he does the song that he has written for Cho Chang. The whole joke is that he's going to pretend that he's singing it to Ginny and just say Ginny's name instead. But right off the bat, he's like, this song isn't going to work with saying your name, but we'll do it anyway. And then every single line ends in a word that rhymes with Ginny. And he just looks so disturbed every time he says it. It's like, that's not right. (laughs) And Ginny is like head over heels every time he says it. I thought this was pretty funny. The lyrics aren't particularly strong, but the joke of oh, your name's not going to work in here and then it works perfectly. I did appreciate that very much. I think it's supposed to not be a strong song because it's like douchey Harry just making uh, up a very superficial song makes sense. to sing to a girl that he likes but doesn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. I agree. And this is one of the first instances where I was like, oh, Darren Chris is very good at singing mm-hmm. because this is, I think, his first true solo, solo kind of song. And very early on it was established, ah, I get it. He's pretty and he can sing. That's why he was ugly. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, past Mike, if only you were pretty and could sing and were older when Glee was casting for people, then you could have been on Glee too. Ah, alas. Well, the only way to get over this missed opportunity is to take a little bit of a break for something we like to call Ungardi Madridosa.
Today's episode of Podagolis is brought to you by Skillshare. Let's say hypothetically that you are a college student making a musical that pokes fun at, but in a loving way, of your favorite book series from childhood, and you're doing a lot of new things for the first time. You're not an expert in this by any means. You need to develop some new skills in order to make this production perfect. What are you going to do? How are you going to learn these skills? You're going to use Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. You can explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. They have a lot of fantastic courses. I I've taken a few and have really enjoyed my experience with them. There's a new class that they have that I'm intrigued about called Design Great Stuff, How to Make Merch with Draplin. And I'm always trying to expand the Potterless Merch Store so this class could give me some ideas about stuff that I could do. Skillshare classes can help in a number of ways. Not only are you learning new skills, but you can help settle your mind. If you're anxious, you can explore classes that can help you express what you're feeling through creative self-discovery. If you're uncertain about the future, you could set a creative challenge for yourself or make some sort of goal that you'd like to accomplish. Maybe you take a productivity class as well. There's drawing classes, writing classes, journaling classes, all of which can really help to manage stress. Kelly and I have had a great time taking on new hobbies as well as expanding the ones that we're already doing, like cooking and stuff like that. So Skillshare offers both of these things that Kelly and I have been doing, and I think that's fantastic. If this sounds interesting to you, you're in luck because as a Potterless listener, you can go to Skillshare.com slash Potterless and get two free months of a premium membership. Again, that is Skillshare.com slash Potterless. You'll get two free months of Skillshare premium. So go to Skillshare.com slash Potterless, get two free months of premium and start developing new skills or strengthening ones you already have today. And now a word from our sponsors that make it feasible for me to podcast as a full-time job. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, you might hear a ad in your language. Don't be surprised. And once these ads are done, we will get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Now, in the Harry Potter world, you have troubles with cell phones in that no one can use them on Hogwarts because technology gets all wonky and stuff. In the non-wizarding world, you have troubles with cell phones in that you can have awful contracts where you get ripped off all the time. Now, you can have a solution to that problem by using Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile sells wireless phone service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass those sweet savings on to you so that you can get wireless plans as cheap as 15 dollars a month when you purchase a three-month plan. You won't have to worry about overpriced monthly bills or unexpected overages. And also, every plan comes with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. I have Mint Mobile hooked up on my work phone right now, and... Every phone call I've had, crystal clear. Every time I've had to use data, very quick. Using hotspots is something that I also get with my plan, and I love having that flexibility. So if you want to ditch overpriced wireless bills, you can do so with Mint Mobile. They have a limited time deal, and you can get a premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash potterless. That's mintmobile.com slash potterless. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So if you want to solve your muggle problems with phones, use Mint Mobile today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Hey, it's me, Mike Schubert. That's right, I'm the same Mike Schubert from the Potterless Podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to hear something similar, well, boy, are you in luck because I make a very similar podcast to Potterless called The Newest Olympian. That is the one that's going on currently. If you get caught up with Potterless, you will see that I only post episodes every month or so. But The Newest Olympian has weekly episodes, and that is a podcast with a similar structure to Potterless, but it's about the Percy Jackson books. That's right, I also didn't read those as a kid. So if you want to hear me going through that whole series for the first time, you can listen to The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Newest Olympian or going to our website, thenewestolympian.com. I've made my way through the first five books so far. I covered the first movie and the TV show. I did interviews with people who made the TV show, and I'm soon getting into the Heroes of Olympus sequel books. So again, that's The Newest Olympian, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. So Ron comes in and what I thought was such a good joke is he comes in through a door, which is unnecessary, <laughs> but the bass player does a Seinfeld riff and yes, oh, it it's does. so good. It is extremely, extremely funny. It's very I was good. very thankful that the audience as well got the Kramer joke because they were laughing at everything. And if they didn't laugh at this, I was going to be very disappointed, but they did, which made me happy. Yes, they followed through on that one. So he comes in and says that he saw cages being brought into the basement. So mm -hmm. the squad is going to use the invisibility cloak to see what's up. But then I soured on Ron a little bit because he does this thing and I don't know why or if this was ever a thing and I just never met anyone that did this but he's rude to Ginny and he does this thing where he like claps really close to her ears yeah I think that's supposed to be like a sibling thing I don't know I don't know I was a weird like is he doing this to make a loud noise in her ears is this supposed to be like he's slapping her I was never rude to my sister like this she was never <laughs> rude to me I'd never seen anyone do this to a sibling so I don't know it, they're it made a big me... family too I think it's yeah. supposed to be playing on that like you know all siblings are mean to each other when they're at a certain age kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm an I only get child. It. What the fuck can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I think there were other elements of Ron being rude to Ginny that I thought landed better, but the clapping really close to her ears made me feel like it was unnecessary and also just like not an enjoyable experience for the actress to go through. Yeah. Like even if it's a bit that's not fun if you're acting in a play to have someone clapping really close to your eardrum. Yeah, that's fair. So Ginny then has a song about Harry and she takes Harry's guitar and starts dancing with it like the guitar is Harry, which I thought was very funny. And this is, again, another instance of, like, the lyrics weren't really strong, but the actress that played Ginny has some freaking pipes. My yeah, Jamie Lynn Beattie, she is fantastic. And again, another one of those uh, star kid actors who is big in later musicals. Okay, good. That makes me feel very happy because it felt immediately like she was overqualified to play the role of person that just gets <laughs> dunked on over and over again. So I appreciate that. I will also say that this song actually predates the musical. Oh. This was a original song that Darren Chris wrote originally called Sammy, which he then adapted and like changed a little bit of the lyrics to make it into the song Harry. Was there a reason that he wrote the Sammy song or was it just like he wrote a song? So the song Sammy, Darren Chris wrote it and he originally wrote it for a web series called Little White Lie, which predates the musical. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, good for him repurposing stuff he already used. Exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> Reduce, reuse, recycle. Captain Planet would be super proud. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's actually how they brought him on in the first place uh, to write the lyrics with A.J. Holmes. Oh, 
So mm-hmm. he did this thing and then... They're like, hey, can we use this? Also, do you want to write some more songs? Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm very intrigued. Hopefully I do get to do the interview with the people from Star Kid to see how this all came together because I'm very intrigued to see just how something stumbled together and then became enormous. Mm-hmm. I feel some kinship with that as someone that started a podcast very haphazardly and now it has <laughs> grown to the part where it is today. Especially like listening back to old episodes, because a lot of people have been re-listening to the podcast, which I think is like very funny to do. But I think in like episode five, I joked with Sydney, my guest, she was like, oh, it's such an honor to be on this well-acclaimed and esteemed podcast, (laughs) Potterless. And I was like, this thing is never getting big. What are you talking about? Oh, no. (laughs) You jinxed yourself, Mike. (laughs) Hey, it worked. I reverse jinxed it, you know? There you go. So then we get a scene where... Voldemort and Coral are talking about going out for drinks because this is the last night before they're going to do the big event. And Voldemort has to egg Coral on to go out and pick up chicks and get him (laughs) laid. And I thought this was very funny. Again, just turning Voldemort into like a dude, I think is a very funny joke. And drunk Voldemort's hilarious. Drunk Voldemort later on. Very, very good. Hey, Editing Mike here, just to let you know, we are about to discuss something that is a spoiler if you've never read or seen Cursed Child. If that's something that you don't want to hear, just skip 45 seconds ahead of when this clip ends. Anyway, back to the podcast. But something that I found very astounding for a 2009 production is that Voldemort talks about being a wingman or something, saying that he does really well with the ladies, and then says, just ask Bellatrix Lestrange. Mm-hmm. So... As far as Harry Potter fandom in 2009, was it just a common thing for people to think that the two of them had some sort of chemistry? There is hints of that in the book. I get it. But I thought it was very funny, especially because I just covered Cursed Child on the podcast, that they were seven years early to something that ended up being officially canon. I know, right? It's pretty impressive. I'm intrigued to see if there are other predictions that they accidentally stumble upon. It would be very funny. So then we have a scene of the squad sneaking under the invisibility cloak, which is just a very small red sparkly scarf that barely covers their heads, which is very good. Yes, it's hilarious. Again, (laughs) this is another like great prop, great costuming choice because Mm -hmm. it shows how low budget they are, but it makes it funnier. Uh, Yes, it's perfect, perfect humor for this type of production. So they overhear Dumbledore talking to Snape about dragons being used in the first task. And Dumbledore very clearly knows that Harry and the squad are under the invisibility cloak. And that's played up in the conversation, which is very good. And then the last little bit, as Snape and Dumbledore are walking out of the scene, they're walking very close to each other. And then Dumbledore, hemming it up the whole way, walks around the squad under the Mm -hmm. invisibility cloak. It's very, very good. He, like, fakes a big yawn. It's it's Uh, excellent. Also, that scene has one of my favorite lines, Mm -hmm. which is, I got to fight a goat? I don't know if I could do that morally. Just very funny. And also it's a Jurassic Park reference when Dumbledore comes in. He's like, dragons don't want to feed. They want to hunt. Ah, mm. I'm getting all these references that you're not getting. Huh? Um, no, I'm, this is this is why I have fellow nerds that are well more well-versed in nerdy stuff than I. <laughs> when they start making basketball references, I could be like, ah, Costa Kufos was a bad basketball player. Mm, I don't know who or what that is. <laughs> Apparently a bad basketball player. The more you, you know. nailed it. See, you're learning. Oh, Everyone listen yeah. to horse. Blah, blah, blah. So then we get the drunk Coral and Voldemort scene. Oh, They've come back so from a night bad. of drinking. 
Ugh. Voldemort, very convincing drunk guy. Just your classic, <laughs> ah, loud, we had a great time, you're the best kind of thing, mm -hmm. which works great already with the character that they've set up. And then one of my favorite lines is when they get to a bit of a more serious conversation where Voldemort is just happy about their friendship as is Quirrell, Voldemort says, I just kill anyone who tries to get me to open up. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> it's uh, so good. Like writing a villain in such a comedic way can be really difficult because you don't want to like dehumanize them completely, but you also don't want them to be like a complete joke. Mm -hmm. But making them make jokes about like, oh, I'm just going to murder him. It's fine. Mm. That is peak humor for me. I think what makes it work is that you humanize him and make him like a normal dude, but not so much so where you sympathize with him because you still talk about all the evil stuff he does. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he does it in even a more flippant nature than the way Voldemort already is just like sociopathically not caring about stuff. Mm -hmm. Now you have someone just being a normal dude acting like his very evil deeds are blasé. So it does a good job of almost having a character that's on the two extreme ends of the spectrum where it's as if he's a very chill and normal guy with normal emotions and human feelings. But then at the same time, he is saying, oh, right, I have to murder this child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. It's just really, really well done. I very much appreciate the Voldemort rendition and performance. So after this wonderful drunk scene, you have Harry being unprepared. Mm -hmm. and as always. He's about to do the first task. Yes, as always. And you have the champions in the little champion's room. And Hermione is there too, somewhat scolding Harry for not being ready. She has to bring his wand, etc. And then Dumbledore comes in, yells at Hermione for being in the champion's room because she's not allowed to be there, kicks her out, deducts points from Gryffindor, and then introduces the dragons, which is another great joke. I will say when Dumbledore walks in and just goes, ah, Granger, you scared the shit out of me. I thought you were a bogart. I'm just like, oh, Jesus, dude. It's so mean. It's, it's very, very good, mean. but so mean. Sick burn. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that Hermione gets a little bit more love later in this act, and mm. I would hope that she gets more as this play and the trilogy goes on mm -hmm. because it is veering a little bit on the, okay, can we stop dogpiling on her territory? Yes. But- some of the jokes like this one are still good, but yes, still so mean. So Dumbledore introduces the dragons, and they have these really well-drawn cardboard cutouts mm -hmm. of the dragons. The art department worked hard on those. Really solid work. So they have Puff the Magic Dragon. They have Fig from the Epcot ride, Figment. which I thought was a great deep pull. I love that ride a whole lot. I love Figment the Imaginary Dragon. Super so solid. Good. It's a very silly ride in Epcot that mm. encourages you to use your imagination. Figment is a cartoon purple dragon that leads you through this ride. It is also hosted by one of the Monty Python guys, yep. the guy who was in Casper, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Kelly and I have a Figment stuffed animal, and I am looking at him now, sitting Aww. across the bed that is opposite my microphone to help dampen some of the noise because I'm recording at home and this is the world now. Thanks, Figment. <laughs> You're doing great. Thanks, Fig. Getting rid of some of the echo. Hell yeah. <laughs> What a lad. <laughs> so it's Puff the Magic Dragon, Figment the Imaginary Dragon. It is the Reluctant Dragon. What mm. is that from? Do you know what that's uh, from? I'm going to look it up real quick. Okay, cool. Some big Reluctant Dragon stands are just screaming. It is a 1941 Walt Disney movie. Okay. I was not familiar with that, and I still don't know. We'll have to yeah. go check it out on Disney Plus, I guess. Let's see if it is available on Disney Plus. 
It is. Okay. All right. Maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> hey, Disney, pay me money for this free advertising. Yeah, for your shitty 1941 film. <laughs> And then I saw this joke coming from a million miles away, but it was still super funny, is the fourth dragon to be revealed is Harry's dragon, and it's the Hungarian horn tail, and it's a very scary drawing. The most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's just, uh, I knew it was coming, and it just made me really happy. It's very, very good. So then Ron comes in and starts to talk with Harry. He's got more food at this point, which is great, mm -hmm. and... Hermione then enters and says, Ron, you have to get out of here. You, you can't be in the champion's tent. Then Snape comes in. He deducts points for Hermione, only Hermione, being in the champion's tent. And then Ron leaves and on the way out goes, bye, Snape. And he goes, bye. <laughs> They're adorable. This is the type of dunking on Hermione joke that I thought was very funny. It's just very clearly playing up that she's the only one that's getting in trouble and not Ron. And Snape is very well aware that Ron is in the room. It's not even that he didn't see Ron. Ah, uh, yeah. just really good. <laughs> so Harry then offers to trade his dragon to Malfoy. Malfoy says no. He says that he will also throw in Gushers. Draco says no because Draco has a fruit by the foot, which is mm -hmm. very good. I think I would take the Gushers over the fruit by the foot. That I would always I be my choice. I think I would too. It would be tough because Gushers are good, but they're gone very quickly because yeah. they all get into one big clump and then like any rational human, you just eat the big clump all at once. Obviously. And I feel like it's just <laughs> a quicker sensation. Whereas fruit by the foot, since it is so long and you can do the fun thing where you snap it to unroll it, and then you slowly mm. eat it. That's always fun. Sometimes the ones that have the tear in the middle so that you basically are getting twice as much the in your brain. Line, yes, like it's That's a, a closer battle. But then Harry offers Teddy Grahams, which are fine. Mm. Malfoy says that they will do it though if in addition to the Teddy Grahams, you add bugles and Harry refuses, <gasps> which I don't get because bugles suck ass. Yeah, but then you can make little witch fingers. I get that you can do witch fingers, but they taste like dry nothing. They taste like edible drywall. They're just salty. Salty drywall, Mike. What's wrong with that? It's just from a taste perspective. I've Not never seen boy. the appeal of bugles, and mm. it feels strange for that to be the line to draw. Okay. Okay. I feel like if it was like pizza flavor blasted goldfish, that would have made more sense. Mm. Or pretzel goldfish, or combos, or a kudos bar, mm. or like a, a tasty cake of sorts. Like I was a big fan of crimpets. Like I feel mm. like there's something else. One of those cosmic brownies, or the oatmeal cream pies from Little Debbie's, or the crunchy galaxy, some sort of, the, the brown Little Debbie one, with okay. the rice cake stuff. I don't know. I felt like there could have been something else. I don't know what Bugle Stan got into the script writing here, but that feels like a weird place to draw the line. Would have been puffy cheese doodles for me. Oh. That's where I would draw the line. Mm -hmm. Can't take away my puffy cheese doodles. That would have been a good or one. Or smart food popcorn. <laughs> oh, classic. Mm -hmm. That white cheddar, baby. Mm. I just love a cheese flavored thing. Yeah. Very solid. Ritz Bits, Ritz Bits peanut butters, mm. Dunkaroos, that could have been a good one. We could list things better than Bugles all day, man. <laughs> Come on. Oh my goodness. So now that we're back from our 12-minute <laughs> snack tangent. Bugle rent. <laughs> can you tell I'm recording this and I haven't eaten lunch yet? Mm -hmm. So Harry fights his dragon. He does Accio guitar and sings a song, which I was like, a uh, classic Harry, classic Darren Chris. But the song is actually really good. And what I really appreciated was first, the dragon costume work is really Very good. good. The prop is fantastic. It's probably the best prop in the entire musical. I agree. From what I've seen so far, it is the best prop. Seems really well done. You have multiple people operating it, which is super fun. And then what's really great is that later in the song, when it gets to the chorus and Harry does some la-la-las, the dragon joins in and turns it, it into does. a duet. It's very cute. 
cute. When I saw Darren Chris live in Boston, that was his finishing out the concert song. Mm. And the audience did the matching la la la's. Uh, it was very cute. That is very good. When an audience can do some sort of matching thing, not necessarily just singing along with the song, I really appreciate it. As is very clear on the podcast, Kelly is very obsessed with BTS. Mm -hmm. And when they do a show in Korea, what I really appreciate is that the Korean crowd does not sing along with BTS. Oh. What they do is they have separate chants that they say while things are going on that like go along to the beat of the song, which is cool, where they'll like shout out all the names of the members. Or what they do is they will only sing like certain backup parts of the chorus. Mm -hmm. So there's a part where they say like, oh, my, my, my in a song. And they'll just do that. And then they'll let the boys kind of solo for the other part. It's really satisfying to hear them do a concert in Korea because the crowd is like the eighth member. It's great. That is incredible. And that's part of the reason I don't go to concerts anymore because uh -huh. like, I came to the concert to hear the people on stage singing, yep. not drunk Betsy next to me. <laughs> Agreed, agreed. So later on, you have the Yule Ball getting ready to happen. Ginny gives a Yule wreath. It's established that Yule wreaths are the Harry Potter equivalent of homecoming mums. Did you have these in the no, Northeast? No, what is that? Okay, so this is the fucking dumbest bullshit ever. And this is, <laughs> I can't wait to just rag on Texas for this. So picture me, Mike Schubert, a 14-year-old boy that has lived in New Jersey his entire life and now he has moved to Texas before his freshman year of high school, and he doesn't know what anything is about Texas traditions. So he is dating a girl in high school that he met at the first school dance, and homecoming is coming up, and he has been told by his friends that for homecoming, you are supposed to ask your date to the game and then the dance. And what you're supposed to do is give them a mum. And I was like, oh, a mum, that's like a flower, right? And then my friend Anthony explained to me, yeah, but not what a homecoming mum is. Homecoming mums are these big, obnoxious, ribbon-based things. Uh. They are huge, and they have a whole bunch of ribbons to like kind of make it look like a flower. Googling might mm. help for an image here. But they are obnoxiously large. They have all these different literal bells and whistles on them. Like there will be bells and whistles oh, attached no. to it. Sometimes like little teddy no. bears. There's these big long streams at the bottom which will have the names of the dates. It's like a booster club fundraiser usually for the I high school. This. But it's absolutely obnoxious. And what sucks is that they come in four sizes or at least they did for my high school. Uh -oh. If you're not getting large or above, you look like a cheap date. Uh. So you have to get this comically large one. And the big ones, the double is so big that in order for the recipient to wear it is they have to wear it around their neck uh. like a giant collar that goes all the way down and then you wear it all throughout homecoming week and you wear it to the football game and not to the dance it's absolutely absurd and ridiculous, and it's some Texas tradition that you just have to do. Stop putting societal pressure on teens to have to spend money on dumb shit. How about that? Rather than spend 30 bucks on this ribbon atrocity for you, Mary Catherine, I will buy you a $30 gift you'd actually like to ask you to homecoming. Yeah. I don't know. I could get you some earrings from Candies or whatever that store, or Claire's, what's the Claire's. earring store? <laughs> oh, for $30, my friend, you could get like 
10 pairs of Claire's <laughs> earrings because they're always buy one, get one free and on sale. I could spring for the James Avery, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the only satisfying thing about the mum is that guys get return mums that are like a garter for your arm, basically, and you put them on your sleeve. So after homecoming, you take it home, and I remember having it like on my nightstand or whatever, on my bedpost. And there was a time when one of my high school girlfriends broke up with me, and I grabbed the mum, mm. and it was on the opposite side of the room as my closet, and I chucked it across the room, and it just like landed inside the closet with a big thud, and gosh, that felt good. Very satisfying. I had a feeling that's where that was gonna go. <laughs> It's just a good throwable object because I only mm-hmm. kept this stupid thing in my room because of what because it's it represents. Me of you. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm just like, fine, I'm getting rid of this dumb ribbon atrocity. <laughs> Throwing good. it across the room. <sighs> anyway, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. So, <laughs> so Ginny tries to give this Yule wreath to Harry. And Harry, being the oblivious idiot that he is, thinks that Ginny is giving this to him so that he can give it to Cho Chang. Obviously. Well, because he's told Ginny that he has a crush on Cho. Mm -hmm. And he's going to seduce her with his terrible song. (laughs) And he's being such a dick, which I get is the point, but uh, I still just felt bad for Ginny here. Also, Harry knows that she's dating Cedric. Yeah. They established it at the beginning of the musical. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Mm. So Harry asks Cho to the Yule Ball. She says no. And then we get a line where Goyle comes in and takes the mum and, or the mum, he takes the wreath and he says, oh, Goyle rules. And now I finally get the joke of why he has the deep voice. It's a very small Billy Madison reference. Thank you. I'm glad you got this one. I was worried because you didn't get the Ghostbusters one or the Jurassic Park one. Thank you for getting the Billy Madison one. I'm back on the board, baby. Woohoo! One to two. <laughs> so Draco ends up asking Pansy to the dance instead, which is sparked by a line, dancing is for pansies. And then Pansy enters and he goes, what's your name? And she says, Pansy. Pansy. And he goes, Perfect. It's very, very good. Wonderful. So then you have Coral and Voldemort setting up for the Yule Ball. Voldemort is nervous about the big event. And this is where he has a conversation with Coral about wanting to be friends afterwards. They talk about going rollerblading and watching a movie. And uh, it's just really good and wholesome. I'm a big fan. It's, It's very good. It's very, very good. Snape then enters. He is a bit suspicious of what's going on when Coral is setting up the punch bowl because the ladle in the punch bowl is the port key. A very special ladle for a very special event. (laughs) It's like, what are you doing? (laughs) They also reveal that the punch, they're going to put squirt the soda in it Mm -hmm. because Harry is the only person that likes squirt, which really does play well to his douchebag-esque character. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anyone who drinks squirt. I don't think I've ever seen squirt offered in a store anywhere near me. So it's a grapefruit soda in case anyone has never heard of it. It's just worse Fresca. Yeah, yeah. Fresca is far superior. Mm -hmm. So then we get to the actual Yule Ball and you have the classic Hermione reveal and everyone thinks she's pretty. Mm -hmm. And Ron, the song wasn't necessarily my favorite, but I did really appreciate that Ron goes from, oh, Hermione's so ugly, she's so gross, blah, blah, blah. There's even a great conversation leading up to the Yule Ball where Harry and Ron are trying to figure out what dates they're going to take. Mm-hmm. And Ron is like, well, well, I can't take Ginny because she's my sister. And Harry's like, oh, I can't take Hermione because 
She's like like a sister to me. me. And they're just like, well, we're just stuck in a situation. We're going to have to go stag because they're both so hideous. We can't ask them. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Brutal. Oh, teenage boys are so dumb. And this musical just embodies that wholeheartedly. Which is good because teenage boys, very dumb. The oft repeated line that they continue throughout the series, I'll tell you this now, is you can't tell a girl you like her. Otherwise, you'll look like an idiot. (laughs) very good. So I didn't really like this song that much, but the flip of Ron from being incredibly anti-Hermione to being head over heels for her is pretty fun. And then it does turn into a duet where Draco is also singing about how in love they are with Hermione. Mm -hmm. So I thought that the premise of it was good, even if the song itself I didn't think was that fantastic. So the name of the song is Granger Danger. Which which is is good. mm, Very good. And the entire musical kind of formed around this song because Nick Lang and a couple of other people uh, were talking about the fact that like, oh, you know, I think Draco might have a crush on Hermione because he's constantly bullying her and why wouldn't he like bully Mm. other people besides her? And so I think that means they have to have a crush and then they created Granger Danger and then built out the rest of the musical from there. Really solid. Really, really solid. It's real good. I like it a lot. And that's why there's so much groundwork for Draco Hermione being like a thing. I get it. Okay, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So Ron is then basically drunk off of Butterbeer and upset (laughs) that Hermione is dancing with other dudes but not him. And Hermione has a great line. Uh, She starts to really step up for herself, which I appreciate and hope Mm -hmm. continues on an upward trajectory where she says, quote, I used to think looks weren't important, and now I think they're more important than anything. Hermione, I'm so sorry everyone's done this to you. You're so smart. Too real. So Harry gives a pep talk to Ron about maybe telling Hermione how Ron feels. And that motivates Harry to want to talk to Ginny. And he even calls himself HP, which I personally think is really nice because in all of my notes for Potterless stuff, I always just refer to him as HP. So I don't have to keep writing Harry Potter over and over again. So I really appreciated Mm -hmm. that. But then you have Draco somersaulting in (laughs) to stand up for Hermione when Ron starts yelling at her for not dancing with him and stuff, which is very good. Hermione then goes on to slap both of them, which is great. And she storms out. I'm really enjoying this new upward trajectory of Hermione. Then we go back to the Harry and Ginny thing. They kiss, but then Harry freaks out because she's Ron's sister, which made me really sad. I really wanted this to work out. And now I'm very upset. Uh, Harry then tries to cut in dancing with Cho, and Cedric gets really mad. Playing on Cho's southern accent, she does the y'all fighting over little old me thing, which is really good. Yeah, it is extremely good. (laughs) But then she mentions that all of this fighting has made her thirsty, so Harry offers to go get her some punch, and then Cedric says, I'll get her some punch, and they're going back and forth. Then a good line from Cedric says, I'll get you some punch, and then punches Harry in the face, which is very good. such a good sucker punch, too. It's really good. They basically grab the ladle at the same time. It's the port key. Everyone goes, port key, port key, port port key, port key, port port key, port key. And then they are in the graveyard. Then you have Harry yelling at Cedric for getting them into this mess and says the word spare like seven times, which is pretty. Just a spare guy around all the time. (laughs) So then, of course, Cedric gets killed by Quirrell slash Voldemort. 
Then there was the Wormtail hand-cutting scene, but it looked like Snape. Was it Snape or was it just the guy playing it was Snape, Snape being vague? No, it Death was Eater? Snape. Oh, okay. So is he not going to have a hand in the future act? I guess you'll just have to ah! find out. Okay, okay. <laughs> so then this, of course, you have Voldemort finally coming to life. And my first note here is, why is Voldemort shirtless? Because he's just so hot. I'm sorry. He just is. The dude is completely jacked, so I get it. Mm-hmm. But also unnecessary. Joe Walker plays Batman in Holy Musical Batman. Makes sense. Makes sense. Based on the Mm -hmm. physique. (laughs) So then I got really excited because Voldemort starts to break into a song, like a song version of a villain's monologue. And he's wearing tap shoes, Mm -hmm. which I was really excited until this dude can't tap dance. And I got really sad. Yeah, it's very simple tap dancing. And like, to be fair, Joe Walker becomes a much better singer later on cool. in the musicals. It's also hard to sing in that character voice. Yeah, it is not his best performance singing-wise. I will be honest, I fast-forwarded through this song because the not actual tap dancing made me sad, and the singing was not great. But I give so much credit to anyone that can sing in a strange character voice, Mm -hmm. whether it's a movie or a TV show. I always find that to be so incredibly impressive. I will say one of my favorite parts of this song is at one point he uses the imperious curse on that was Harry the best part. to make him dance as well. That was the best part. It was before it really mm-hmm. breaks into a song. And Darren Chris, way better at doing the tap dancing things than the guy playing Voldemort. Yeah, well, he's a trained dancer. What can you do? <laughs> oh, is he? That makes sense. Yeah. There's so much potential if he legit busted out some true tap dancing and mm-hmm. the letdown of being like, no way, this is going to be so good. And then, oh, okay, he's just wearing tap shoes. Yeah. So then Bellatrix comes in, and I gotta say, easily my least favorite performance, just because she sounds so much like a theater kid. Mm -hmm. Just so theater kiddy of like, Voldemort, you need to do this, and like, Quirrell, you should leave him in the dust. You're here, I'm here for you. Like, uh, just in a play where it seemed not very theater kiddy, this one was super theater kiddy, and I I just didn't like it. Okay, that's fair. Again, college kids, theater kids doing it. I'm not going to hold a grudge or hold this against the actress, but I think what made me like this play so much is that any theater-ish reference was making fun of theater or musicals or whatever, Mm -hmm. and it just felt like this took me a little bit out of the poking fun at theater element of it. That's a fair assessment. (laughs) Then we have the breakup scene between (laughs) Quirrell and Voldemort, which is just so good because Bellatrix reveals that the plan was to turn Quirrell into the full man of the crime and Mm -hmm. he would be stuck in Azkaban and Quirrell's like, did you know the whole time? And Voldemort's like, oh yeah. And then Quirrell's like, it's gonna be hard to go rollerblading to a movie from Azkaban. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) He calls him uh, the Jefferson to his Sally Hemmings and I'm just like, oh my God. Really solid, really solid. And that was one of those history references where I said I think I know this one, but I'm not sure. (laughs) She was his mistress or whatever, right? Yeah, but she was also his slave. Ah, So, uh, mm, uh, not great. uh, That's why they said slave before that line. I get it. Yes. (laughs) So then Bellatrix is like, now you have your chance to kill Harry. And then Voldemort goes, ah, yes, killing Harry. Hey, where is he? And he's gone. Oh, shit. (laughs) Super good. (laughs) Harry has the ladle. He goes back. And what's so funny is immediately when they're back, Snape goes, what happened in the graveyard? (laughs) While like holding his hand too. 
<laughs> it's so good. And then Harry just says he's back and the lights go down and that's the end of act one and that's the end of this that's episode it. of Potterland. Whoa. Mike, I know you had a lot of hype going into this. I, I know you had your doubts going into this. I did. So I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you seemed like you enjoyed it for the most part. Honestly, I am too. I will be so honest that I really was dreading watching this just because I am not exaggerating when I say that I get at least one message a day, email, DM, mm-hmm. whatever, of someone telling me to watch a Harry Potter musical. I've had these since I started the podcast. So three years of this, it had the most hype. It's a funny, snarky, self-referential take on Harry Potter. It's basically mm-hmm. what Potterless is. So I get it. <laughs> I'm not super keen on musicals in general, but the songs are really good. The other problem is I saw Puffs and Puffs is fucking perfect. And I don't understand, and maybe I'm just in the wrong, but I feel like a Harry Potter musical is much more beloved than Puffs. And I feel like more people need to see it, I guess, because it's for free on YouTube and yes. Puffs, you either have to see it in person or pay like $12 on Amazon Prime to see it. Yeah, it's 100% a like availability thing. Right. And plus it's been around longer. That makes sense. That makes sense. But I was just really worried that it wasn't going to be well done and it was going to be just a lot of humor that didn't age well. And everyone warned me about the quality, but like the quality isn't that bad. The closed captioning really, really did help. That was absolutely mm. essential for me watching it. I thought it was good. I mean, it's not perfect. I think at least so far I enjoyed Puff's more, but I think that could just be a brand of humor thing where Puffs is not a musical mm-hmm. and Puffs is almost entirely those little type of jokes that I said I like the little quips at the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just more in my wheelhouse, but I really enjoyed this. I thought it was very fun and I'm excited to continue watching this first one and continue the trilogy. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for you. The second one is by far my favorite oh, in terms of quality okay. and songs and jokes. Cool. And I'm really looking forward to you covering those. Okay, good, good, good. I'm as well. I'm very excited. So Julie, thank you so much for coming on, being the pro- AVPM representative. My pleasure. Thankfully, we were both on the same page and it wasn't a back and forth. <laughs> we're in agreement that this is a very good musical and it's very fun. Didn't have to fight you in no. a back alley. So we're good. good. Yeah. A- along with literally every, like I was petrified mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to like it. And then everyone's just going to be like, well, I'm done with this podcast. Fuck this guy. I'm just going to show up to your apartment, <laughs> banging on the door, being like, apologize to Darren Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has brooms, but they're on fire because they're now an angry mob, uh, but still mm-hmm. an on-brand mob. Perfect, but yeah, I'm glad that it hasn't come to this. So Julie, <laughs> if people want to find you doing stuff on the internet or in the podcast world, where can they do so? Well, they can check out the multitude shows that I am a part of. You can check out Spirits, which is a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore told through a queer feminist lens. I am also a player on Join the Party for their new campaign where I play a tiny Italian punk barbarian. And I also was the assistant director for Next Stop, which is a sitcom for the modern era. And you can check all those out by going to Mm multitude.productions. Love a good multitude stuff. You can also check out Julia on the first episode of Meddling Adults. Yeah, that one too. Where who's to say if she did well or not? You'll have to find out yourself. I don't want to spoil if she won. (laughs) I will say we have the lowest uh, rate of solving for any so far meddling adults episode. And I need to redeem myself immediately. But you did get a bonus point for saying fuck sexism. So yeah, pretty good. So if you want to understand my brand, there you go. (laughs) 
Uh, well, Julia, thank you for joining. Listeners, thanks for listening. And as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they go rollerblading to the movie theater with their beloved significant other, <laughs> Wizard On! Wizard On! Hey, if you're looking for new podcasts to listen to, you should look no further than the multitude shows that are out there. Horse, we recently did a big thing about The Last Dance, the big Michael Jordan documentary that was released. Meddling Adults has a few episodes up. The Scooby-Doo one with Brandon and Lauren was absolutely fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. I'm very biased, but it's a good episode. Spirits Urban Legend episodes are always a riot. Next Stop Season 1 is chugging along strong, and Join the Party's new arc is absolutely fantastic. There's so many good things that you can listen to, so you'll never be bored. All you gotta do is go to multitude.productions to check out these shows now. Potter this is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Klauser, Lopi, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Wanson, Filio, Rosemary, Dodge, Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadanera, Audra, Eleanor, Curlin, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Kraus, Sarah Nick, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Pulido, Orca Grower, Vivian, the Owl, Haley Hastings, Moster, Alex Consilver, John Kotker, Noel Basile, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Fried, AJ Svensson, Summer Rathel, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addie, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Eileen Gazesh, Keegan Curran, Mr. Folk, Maya, Floor, Sake, Series Girls for Georgia Davis, Skyler Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Elizabeth Christofferson, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Samantha Lentz, Aurora Fruhoff, Marco Cepeda, Courtney Marie Grieger, Ashen Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Fail on the Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, McKenna Tweedy, Heather Langeal, Brad Harding, Brianna Cusumano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Chrissy Two, Jarls Fiven, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jen and Rose Dowd, Callahan and Darius, Leah Reed, Melissa Robb, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's Mom, T-Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me Ninfedora, GK Have It Your Way, Sabrina Balsiker, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie Dugrave, David Douglas, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki, Boney Pony, Jacob Rossitano, Kelly Gillespie, Taco Blowfish, Rikay Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Rachel Mobbs, Megan Moon, Alicia Chapman, Riley Kittis, Colleen Waters, Laurel Happy, Rossanne Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda Hurley, Landon Schwausch, Kendra Hertz, Natani Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexander Harrison, Richard Johnson, Sandra Rose, Kremick Roberts, Andron Kaufman, K.A. Rob, Steve Trelor, Lior Nahum, Angela Hill, Julia Buzak, Demi Lynn, Kelsey Wellis, Michael Beck, Calista Delano, she who doesn't have to be named, L. Kringle, Love Cash Longer, Jennifer Terzian, Crystal Pollard, Henrique Wolf, Jeremy Elmore, Delkis, Katrina Smith, Jerrica Law, Michelle Spurgeon, Casey Canales, Megan Stempin, Let's Hit a Thousand Patrons, Serenity, Alan Jax, G, Sophia Lyons, Sat, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamanes. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterlesspod, instagram.com slash potterlesspodcast, and reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, as well as transcripts, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com for bonus content. You can go to patreon.com slash Potterless and merchandise libs at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether you reach out directly, recommending it to someone, or just leaving a rating and review online, that really does help. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, as I say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on! Hey, it's me, Mike Schubert. That's right, I'm the same Mike Schubert from the Potterless Podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to hear something similar, well, boy, are you in luck because I make a very similar podcast to Potterless called The Newest Olympian. That is the one that's going on currently. If you get caught up with Potterless, you will see that I only post episodes every month or so. But The Newest Olympian has weekly episodes, and that is a podcast with a similar structure to Potterless, but it's about the Percy Jackson books. That's right, I also didn't read those as a kid. So if you want to hear me going through that whole series for the first time, you can listen to The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Newest Olympian or going to our website, thenewestolympian.com. I've made my way through the first five books so far. I covered the first movie and the TV show. I did interviews with people who made the TV show, and I'm soon getting into the Heroes of Olympus sequel books. So again, that's The Newest Olympian, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts.